Yeah, we just can't afford to lose four individuals. I'd say Johnny Gibson Park, probably Andrew Porter, and I would say probably Doris. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. Off the Ball Daily. And you're welcome to Off the Ball on News Talk. John Duggan with you as always on a Saturday until five. Day one of the 2023 Six Nations. Always such a special competition in the sporting calendar. And the Ireland rugby team ranked number one in the world. Kick off against Wales in the first match of this year's tournament in Cardiff at 2.15. The former Grand Slam winner Gordon Darcy is our expert at the Principality Stadium. We'll be building up with him from half one. We'll also have regular updates from Gordon throughout the game. England play Scotland at Twickenham later. The ex-World Cup winner Neil Back will preview that match in the second hour of the show and with Arsenal, Man United and Liverpool all in action today we got you covered on Football Saturday for all the score updates and analysis Graham Gartland, Shane Keegan and Dan McDonnell are this week's guests 53106 is the number for your texts if you want to share your opinions with us when it comes to sport you any questions as well for our guests during the show you can also tweet us at Off The Ball hope you're all doing okay around the country and looking forward to a brilliant weekend sport lots of hurling action as well let's start off the show with the news round and Wexford's finest Aidan Delaney and the big news right now uh, Aidan is that Jameson Gibson Park is out of this game yeah, it's one of the two big changes for the Ireland team today. The Leinster scrum half took full part in yesterday's captain's run at the Principality Stadium but has reportedly picked up an issue since that. So Connor Murray is in line to come into the team. Craig Casey will be promoted to a place on the bench as a result. Keane Healy also out of the team there according to the team sheet that's been passed around. Dave Kilcoyne has been mentioned on the bench as his replacement. Uh, so that's two changes there and uh, we can hear from the Ireland forwards coach Paul O'Connor he has mixed memories, of course, of Cardiff from his time in the green jersey. Uh, he was there, of course, as part of that famous Grand Slam game in 2009, but it was also the scene of many a heartbreak as the Welsh put the home pressure on since 2013, of course. And he was speaking to our own Ashling O'Reilly yesterday about why the Principality is still such a special place to go. Well, the pitch looks amazing. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, roof is closed, so it's it's pretty dry out there. A little bit, little bit greasy on 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 the grass, but nothing that would affect the ball, I think. Um, and we've had, you know, we've had two good weeks of preparation. Um, so the boys are in a in a good place. There's probably a little bit of nerves there as they head into a big game, as there always is. Um, but they they feel very good. Um, we've trained really well with two two. Various sessions, but two really big sessions in the last uh, in the last week and a half, um, and we've seen a lot of progress. I think as well from guys from from the autumn into the Six Nations. So guys are in a really good place with good clarity, and uh, we're just looking forward to the game now. And for you personally to come back to the Principality Stadium, you've obviously had. Many memories here as a player. What's it like to walk out on the yeah, uh, yeah, it's lovely. I mean, I, I was here two years ago when I when I started the job, and it was unfortunately we we're in the middle of the pandemic, so there was no one in the in the stadium. It's it's an incredible place. You know, we were even talking about the warm up with the choirs singing. Um, you know, it, 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 the atmosphere is almost building in the warm up, and when the roof is closed, then it's something different, which is probably. You know, we we had it in France last year in in instead of France. Um, it seems that a lot of the atmospheres in the autumn were uh, pretty rowdy as well, and it's going to head into the World Cup like that as well. So um, it's a brilliant, I suppose, opportunity and an experience for the lads um, to experience something special. I suppose with Warren Gatlin back for for Wales as well, it probably adds to the 
Welsh crowd's anticipation. So um, it's a brilliant stadium to play in. You know, whether you're playing for your your province here or whether you're playing for your country, it's it's an amazing stadium to play in, and it's you know it's a real. It's one of the days of the career of your career that the players um, have to cherish. It's only when you're kind of retired you realise how how special it is to go away from home, play for Ireland, and to play in the Millennium Stadium against Wales in a packed Millennium Stadium. It's you know it's one of the best days of your life. It's only when you're retired and they're gone, you know, you realise how good they were. So hopefully we have a, a good day tomorrow. I know it's going to be tough. But hopefully we have a good day tomorrow. And that was uh, Paul O'Connell speaking to Ashley and O'Reilly yesterday. Offaly's finest, Will O'Callaghan, is in with us as well for the news round. And Will, good afternoon. Um, this is going to be a real test of Ireland because the whole uh, bedrock of our game is really on Gibson Park's tempo. And Conor Murray's a different type of player. Yeah, I mean, last season, one of the reasons Ireland were so effective, they had a ruck speed of less than three seconds, the only team in the tournament who were doing so. And they come up against a Wales team who are really good at slowing the opposition down. Ireland and Wales had the best stats for uh, slowing teams down at the breakdown on the defensive side of the ball. So Conor Murray obviously brings massive experience. And I think every time that people kind of write Conor Murray off to an extent in the last year or two, you've got to remember this is a guy who's been a multiple Lions player. This is a guy who's played in so many big games and delivered for Ireland 101 caps it's going to be for Conor Murray at the end of the day today but it is I'm sure there had to be a temptation maybe to even bring Craig Casey directly in as a more mm-hmm. direct replacement for Jameson Gibson Park but I still think Conor Murray is the man who will steer Ireland from the number 9 position today and the relationship with Sexton I think is important in that absolutely yeah I mean we always talk about how any Leinster players are, are dominating the Irish side and, and Jameson Gibson Park he's somebody that hasn't been mentioned a whole lot this week but as you mentioned he is that bedrock he gives us that speed he gives us that platform to play off of and Conor Murray you know bringing all that experience and everything like that but he can be targeted he can be his decision making can be a, a little questionable at times I would feel that maybe you know going to the boot and maybe a bit too much and particularly the Welsh under Warren Gatland will gobble those up you know they've some brilliant wingers and, and some brilliant high fielders of the ball so uh, definitely I think you need to stick to the game plan try to get uh, Conor Murray to you know maybe play a Gibson Park style game and maybe not try to slow it down as much I like it, in a perfect world you would have a situation where Conor Murray would be coming on to control a game I'm, I'm sure that's where really you're first a, a finisher yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't replace the same where you have finishers. Well, you know, we all, we all use the sexy lingo. <laughs> yeah. But look, this is a World Cup style test for them mm. today. Like losing Jameson Gibson Park, who took a full part in the captain's run yesterday. Whether it's illness or injury, we're not sure as yet. But he has dropped out very late. Conor Murray comes in. You would think that Jameson Gibson Park is running out of the lines and training throughout the week in Portugal. This is a last minute change. It will happen later in the year at the World Cup that you'll have late changes in a tournament with attrition. And then the news that came through just before one o'clock that uh, Keane Healy's now not on the bench and Dave Kilcoyne is coming onto the bench. So. Because we'll have Kilcoyne and Craig Casey surely at some stage mm-hmm. on yeah. the pitch. And it is a, a pressure situation for Casey, for Casey to come into as well because he will be that next man up and he has to come in. You know, maybe Ireland are going to be in a tight game with about 60 minutes on the clock. He has to be the man to control that game then and maybe show a different side to his game as well. And maybe no harm that Finley Bealham actually gets into play given the form he's been in. Mm-hmm. Hattrick last time he played two weeks ago against Newcastle in Europe. He's been in really good form this season. I thought he played well in Furlong's absence during the November internationals as well and this is Andy Farrell rewarding form by putting him in a tight end because there would have been I think that temptation to say hey Porter you are ridiculously versatile in the front row move you over go back over to three and we'll play Keane Healy or Dave Kilcoyne at one 
this is a hard game for the reason I, I think Welsh rugby you could argue is in, in a really bad spot like the rugby the the or, the WRU are a mess and they've had a real controversial time the club game there as well, whatever people are saying well the Ospreys are doing well they've got into, you know they're not the, the, the club game there is in trouble there's a degree of Gatlin's back uh, a closed roof he's going to be appealing to emotion as he said in the Telegraph there yesterday they're going to give it one last go to a, to a degree until they can uh, you know get a, get a kind of a rejuvenation with the new coaching staff. Ireland have to start this game strong. I feel. Yeah, I mean, you look at that Wales team, and it does look a little bit tired, a little bit old, with eight players over the age of thirty who are starting, and then Lee Halfpenny having to come out of the team, and Liam Williams coming back in during the week. There's plenty of Grand Slam winning experience there. There's plenty of experience of beating Ireland, particularly in Cardiff, among that squad. And they will feel that if they can slow Ireland down during the game, the longer Wales stay in it, there is that hope that the emotional swell will get behind them and that they can get a big result. I mean, last year obviously was a complete and utter disaster. The loss against Italy, particularly, they looked and very Georgia. shaky. Yeah, they looked incredibly shaky in November. You're thinking, right, it was, the writing was on the wall for Wayne Pivac. At least with Gatland, he's coming in here in the medium to longer term by coming back in. I thought initially when Pivac went, maybe they would get Gatland just as a plaster until the World Cup and then change everything. Um, but at this stage, and Chris Jones spoke about this really well and off the ball last night at the BBC, that there is a missing generation in Wales where there's some really good players that are around the 100 cap mark that have been around for the last decade. When they go, and inevitably there's maybe a year or two years left in them, and you would wonder at the end of a World Cup cycle at the end of this year, and then there's a massive drop-off to the guys who are in their early 20s. They have very few players coming in to replace leaders in key positions throughout the squad. But maybe Gatlin can get a kick out of them for eight months. Yeah, so it's a 4.45 start for uh, England, Scotland and Twickenham. Remember, Gordon Darcy will uh, build up to the game between Ireland and Wales from about half past one. Uh, it's Everton nil, Arsenal nil, by the way, in the Premier League coming up to half time. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I suppose one of the big things uh, this weekend, uh, Aidan, is that the Hurling League is back. Yeah, four games in Division 1 in the opening day of the Alliance National Hurling League. Last year's beaten All-Ireland finalists Kilkenny make the trip to Corrigan Park to play a Joe McDonough Cup winner's Antrim at two o'clock. There's a clash of clubmates on the side line as Liam Cahill's Tipperary host Willie Mars Leash from 5 o'clock. At the same time Wexford play Galway in a fixture that also doubles up as the Walsh Cup final and Cork will welcome the All-Ireland champions Limerick to Parky Cueve from half past 7. So the Hurling Pod presenter is Willow Callahan, and you're looking forward to the new season of the Hurling Pod on Off the Ball on our network. Yes, yeah, so 6 o'clock on Monday, all being right, we'll have the audio version of the pod out and aiming to get a 10pm start for the video on our YouTube and Off the Ball as well. We'll be looking at this first weekend, which has an experimental feel about it, lads, when I look at the teams that have been named so far going into this weekend. Perhaps understandably, I think we were all looking to see what the Limerick team was going to look like on Thursday when it was named ahead of their trip to Porky Cueve. I think probably the most interesting game of this weekend is the Welsh Cup final slash first round of the it's league. It's Welsh, not Walsh. That is, is uh, Wexford go <laughs> Ah, yeah, in, in Leinster. It's What's it for you, a Wexford uh, man? I'd always call it the Walsh Cup. Oh, the Wexford man says Walsh. There you go. Now, let, the, <laughs> let the arguments begin between uh, regional sides in this. I'm not getting into the Hurl and Hurley debate ever again <laughs> yes, because monster people will have me completely murdered if I say Hurl. So uh, let, let's what, what do you believe that it is? I believe it's Hurl. I think uh, Brian Cody had the final say on this when he said it's a Hurl, not a Hurley in Kilkenny. But look, if you go into the southern province and into Munster it's strictly Hurley it tends to be Hurl what are you uh, on this oh I'm very much a Hurl yeah. I'm a Hurl man yeah absolutely 
You no, I'm, well, I'm a Clare Hurling fan, but I'm a Hurl. No, they'll have you convinced to switch, John, by the end of it. Yeah, by the end of this so conversation. Look, I think it's interchangeable, Link. You can have either. <laughs> Enjoy both if you want. Listeners, 53106, is it a Hurl? You're a Hurl. <sighs> no, You've started <laughs> the debate now. Well done. Well, I think we had a full episode on the Hurling pod where, unfortunately, there was three guys from Leinster, because I'm going to include James Gell in this, because Galway have been almost absorbed into Leinster, despite their underage teams uh, having to struggle to get into Leinster. Um, we've kind of agreed we go with Hurl, but if you're having Hurley in Munster, as long as you enjoy the game, we don't mind. In the league, is there anything to watch out for? Um, if there's a phony war element to it or a, a dummy element to it, dummy teams. And I'm, I'm, like I, I, what I mean by that is not, not teams that are different, but just in terms of it's not going to be the full 15 that you're going to see at the full pelt of championship pace. Are there any big storylines out of this? Is it still all the managerial changes? What yeah. the, the impact of them? I think so. I don't know how you feel about this, Aidan. I mean, it's obviously very unsettled with the exception of John Kiley, where Limerick are the team now who have the most established force, mm. despite the fact that they're trying to maybe bring in a few new players. But even like you look at Clare, who had a very good season last season, have got like Brian Lone now and everything feels a little bit fixed compared to the rivals around them. Like it feels very strange going into it. You're almost scratching your head going, it's been over 20 years since Kilkenny have gone out into a league or championship without Brian Cody being yeah. in charge. It feels like a genuine new era. And let's see what Liam Cowell's going to do in his own county in Tipperary. They've had a few injuries going to the year which is far from ideal but I think they're not going to be as bad as they were last year I genuinely think there is a kick in them and then you add in the Davy Fitzgerald factor into Waterford I'm sure it was a blow for them not to have Park Manny for Stephen O'Keefe not to go back in but they had so many options and I'm still I hate to say that I'm looking into their form from the league last year and wondering what bloody well happened between the second round of Munster and the end of the Munster Championship but I still think there's enough ability in that Waterford team uh, to be contenders in Munster and in the league this year but I still feel like Limerick are a little bit out in front Barry and Cork 53106 high lads hurl is a verb there you go <laughs> what do you think about this hurling league in terms of storylines yeah I think obviously from my own point of view, the Wexford storyline is, is kind of the big one for me. Um, you know, with, being without Matthew O'Hanlon and Roy O'Connor tonight fills me with a bit of fear. Um, there was obviously some some good play in the Walsh Cup semi-final where Wexford had that big game under lights against Kilkenny, but a lot of those players not involved today. It's more of a settled side for Wexford coming forward and it looks like two or three weeks before the likes of Roy O'Connor is back. Lee Chin not in the side today How long either. is Lee Chin out for? Because I saw Lee Chin come on off the bench looking really sharp a few weeks ago when he banged in a goal against Offaly and I was thinking, wow, if he's actually coming back to full fitness, that's a big boost for this year. Yeah, it's it, there's kind of rumours and counter-rumours going around. It it does appear that maybe, you know, if this was an All-Ireland semi-final tomorrow, you know, there could be a chance that he, he might be able to, to get himself out onto the field. But I, I do think they're probably playing it a bit safe. It's still early in the year. We want him at the business end as well. So I do think that Lee Chin will be involved later on in the season. But, you know, now is not the time. Uh, Joe has been in touch uh, to say we hurled with a hurley here in Galway. There you go. Uh, so we got uh, what Division Three of football as well today. Newry playing host to a derby between Down and Antrim in, uh, in that league at uh, six at five o'clock throw in then for the meeting of Waterford and Carlow in Division Four. Uh, the halftime was just about to go. A Goodison Park, uh, Everton nil, Arsenal nil. Sean Dyche, can he save Everton? They've been uh, yes. They've been up for it. So like a t- typical Goodison Saturday lunchtime game. Onana went close there. You see much of this first half, Will? I would have been, to answer your first question about can he keep them up, I would have been a lot more confident if Everton had furnished him with a striker mm. where that was on league, where was it, sorry, on loan or signed on a permanent basis during the January window. They need Dominic Caverloon to come back to form. And I don't know if Dominic Caverloon is the type of player who's going to respond to Sean Dyche's style of football, but let's see. 
there has been good energy about the way they've played in this first half against Arsenal. Uh, Seamus Coleman's actually played very well, right. just from an Irish perspective. Uh, he's been put in a more conventional right-back role here. They've gone back to a back four under yeah. Sean Dyche. And I think he's done a really solid job with some good players coming down that Arsenal left-hand side. He's kept Sinchenko particularly in good check, who's been pushing forward during it. And, you know, they've been creating chances. They got a string of corners uh, midway through the first half, which they actually execute them reasonably well. My only worry would be when I heard Sean Dyche speaking to Des Kelly before it, he said they effectively have had a pre-season over the last 10 games. And people may well have seen the video of them doing bleep tests. Yeah. And you're kind of wondering about bleep tests and heavy intensive training at the end of January and going into February. Mm. But obviously Sean Dyche feels that these guys are not doing enough work okay. and they had to test where they were at. So, look, maybe just by sheer perseverance and getting some energy out of this team, getting a kick out of them that maybe Frank Lampard couldn't, I still think there's enough quality in that team to stay up. Yeah, there's certainly been great work done in the first half. It's just gone half time and it's scoreless so far. I think a lot of that first half is probably Arsenal not really getting to their tempo either. I mean, obviously it's a 12 o'clock game and we know that teams kind of can start slowly, particularly teams that kind Does of like to like build away. I feel like every half 12 kickoff is a nil nil at half time. <laughs> it feels like it, all right. But uh, Arsenal have been kind of, you know, some sloppy passes. Martin Odegaard really hasn't been the kind of player that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. He's put a couple of balls wide and uh, there was a, a good chance where Conor Cody uh, it wasn't really a goal line clearance but it gone past the goalkeeper so Arsenal probably nothing to be too worried about yet but they still need to find their way into this game OK so what else we got we got Man United and Liverpool in action this afternoon when we're uh, chatting on Football Saturday so lots to look forward to Yeah United hope to continue their good form there at home to Crystal Palace from 3 o'clock bottom side Brentford uh, bottom side Southampton rather go to Brentford Wolves host Liverpool and there's a meeting of rivals Aston Villa and Leicester while Bournemouth will travel to Brighton in the other 3 o'clock games Newcastle can move within three points of second place with a win against West Ham in the evening game it finished nil all in last night's West London derby between Chelsea and Fulham. In Scotland then Rangers look to stretch their unbeaten start under manager Michael Beale to 12 games. They take on Ross County in the Scottish Premiership this afternoon victory would move them within six points of leaders Celtic who play St Johnston tomorrow. Big weekend for racing in Dublin at the Dublin Racing Festival. Yeah, four grade ones down for decision on the opening day of the festival at Leopardstown. The feature is the Irish Gold Cup, of course, which uh, the Willie Mullins trained at Gallopin de Champ will go off as the odds on favours. Uh, that's off at five past three and the seven race card just getting underway as we speak. Golf-wise, Seamus Power uh, probably should have won the Pebble Beach Pro-Am last year, faltered in the final round, but he's got another chance. Yeah, he's just two shots off the lead at the midway point of the tournament in the US. The Waterford man signed for a 7-under round of 64 last night to move to 7-under in California, and he spoke to the media following his round. A lot of positivity and good feeling, certainly from the start of the game, absolutely. I thought the crowd helped with that as well, but within the team there was a good feeling. Apologies, uh, that's Green Potter there. We can hear now from Seamus Power, who spoke to the media following his 64 yesterday. I had an interesting day. Like, I didn't play particularly well, but I scored very well. You know, it's something I kind of pride myself on, made some good putts, hung in there when I wasn't hitting a lot of great shots. So, all in all, very pleased, but I'd like to kind of see some little bit of ball striking, so I'll go work on that now for a while. How difficult were the conditions out there? You kind of saw a few different conditions uh, during the day. Yeah, it really was. Like, the first, maybe it's the first five six holes kind of rainy and the ball just wasn't going anywhere not much wind and then we got to the turn and then for like an hour hour and a half it, it really blew like 
pretty strong there for a while and then the last few holes was was very pleasant so it was it was a day of kind of you know it was one of those days kind of like back home in Ireland where you get a lot of seasons in one day and that's kind of what it felt like but it, it's it's tough because the, the course is playing long and then even when you get opportunities in the fairway the greens because the rain are soft so trying to keep the ball like close to hole it, it can be challenging but um yeah I was able to make some putts to kind of like cover up some of the other mistakes so I said uh it was a kind of a fun adventurous day but hopefully maybe a little more straightforward tomorrow does it help that you kind of grew up in these type of conditions I think it does you just kind of learn just to get on with it to be honest you know it's you know it's out there it's raining you can't you've no control over it whatsoever so you might as well just do what you can keep your hands dry and kind of get stuck in and I think that's what we learned kind of growing up we, we play in a lot of conditions like that I don't think we like it any better than anyone else it's just we we're just used to it and you kind of learn some little tricks and techniques just to keep stuff dry Pebble Beach tomorrow. What do you what you talked about not maybe hitting the ball the way you would like to today? What do you want to go clean up a little bit and uh, to hope to keep climbing the leaderboard tomorrow? Yeah, just a couple of couple of misses. I know kind of what's happening. It's just it's tough to fix out there in the course. So I'll, I'll go clean up a couple of those little kind of simple things. But yeah, I mean I love Pebble Beach. So I mean obviously getting to play it tomorrow. I think the forecast is pretty good. You know, it's one of those things you kind of grow up dreaming about. So I'm really looking forward to. It. Okay, Seamus Power there, and Katie Taylor has been in the news all week. Yeah, and no she, fault of her own. No, she'll be in attendance for a major fight tonight that will have a huge bearing on her calendar. That's Amanda Serrano taking on Erica Cruz in the Hulu Theatre at Madison Square Garden. Uh, that's going to the ring there this evening, and there is expected to be an announcement following the uh, final bell there. Okay, so Kumiko Glenn is over. The sag is over. Yep. Very abruptly. <laughs> um, it's almost like I don't want to say any more about we, it. Yeah, we debated this quite a bit on uh, last night's Off the Ball. And then very, very soon afterwards, Glenn had put in what I think was quite surprising for most people mm. on a Friday evening. that they So they, pull, they pulled out of the process, effectively. Yeah, so they're not going to pursue it. It was set to go into a third week because what was going to happen was after Chemical Croak's appeal had gone into the Central Appeals Committee yesterday. So that was going to take probably three days to hear. I think Monday was the likely time that that appeal would have been heard. It's very rare for the CSC to overturn a decision that's been made by the competition and controls committee. So generally it tends to go to the DRA afterwards. So I think we were all bracing ourselves for the fact that Chemical Croaks would have to put in a further appeal, which would be another two to three days down the road, probably the end of next week uh, before the DRA would sit down, tends to be on a Thursday. And then Glenn took that decision away by announcing that they were withdrawing from the process because they felt the conditions weren't there for a replay to take place. So in many ways it feels like Glenn made their point by showing up the issues around the rule book and the process and then they decided rather than it getting messy in a back and forth between them and Chemical Croaks over the next week possibly up to 10 days they said right let's just draw a line under it except that we were beaten by two points on the day and move on and I, I think it's a very commendable position by Glenn to take and I'm glad that Chemical Croaks can now actually enjoy having the American Cup To use corporate jargon what are the learnings from this there has to be a cleaning up of substitutions. I think that would be the first clear point. Now, the officials on the day, I think, should have managed what happened a little bit better. The 45 could have been retaken or the 45 could have been delayed. The fourth official has to know that an extra player has run onto the pitch at that point. So what do you want to say? There was 16 or 17 on the pitch. That determines um, whether you know Paul Mannion being a yard or two inside the line looking back at 45 was an active player. I don't think he was. But Darren Mullen was clearly an active player on the, lo- on the line. So therefore... The referee on the day could have whistled, made sure that Darren Mullen goes off the pitch and then you play on. I think just in the confusion of what happened in the All-Ireland final, the officials dropped the ball a little bit on it. I don't for a moment think the chemical croaks were actually trying to gain an advantage by him staying there. I think it was a genuine error and therefore it was a technical breach as opposed to an issue that was created by either Glenn or chemical croaks. I think 
Glenn were more than within their rights and I think they were right to appeal and I'm sure it's something they agonised about John within their club as well about where they were going to do it and maybe that led slightly to the withdrawal that happened last evening too like maybe you have to be 100% behind it if you're going to be going to the CAC and to the DRA to fight this and also there's the fact that the Glenn players went back and played for Derry last weekend it's well known that at the moment Shane Walsh is on his travels I think he's in Dubai he's not going to be back for two weeks so therefore trying to get a time with a wedding coming up in Glenn next weekend it would have pushed it into March it gets really messy yeah, I think and we, one yeah. wonders if it had gone to a replay would it have meant much to either team to win it anyway? yeah I think, we, I think we're glad it's all over to be honest mm. and it's like a hopefully it doesn't recur I remember folks as you're binging on sport this weekend pick out your best performance of the weekend whether it's a player manager even the ref tune in to OTV's Instagram page tomorrow evening Sunday leave your selection in the comments under our performance rankings post if your selection matches our top pick live on Monday's OTB AM you're with a chance then of winning a Gillette Pro Glide Razor Skin Guard Shaving Gel and Pro Glide Refill Blades Pack. That is the Gillette Labs performance rankings for an effortless finish to your day. Willow Callahan, Aidan Delaney, call it Ireland Wales. Uh, I think that is a big blow with uh, with Conor Murray coming in. I do think Ireland will just have enough to to scrape over the line and say in Ireland by less than five. Ireland by seven to ten, and I'm far from convinced that Katie Taylor against Serrano will actually happen at the three arena. <laughs> There I'll you throw, go. I'll throw in an extra prediction. You heard it there from Willow Callahan first to Will and Aidan. Thanks so much for the news round. We're off to Cardiff to speak to Gordon Darcy after the break. Off the ball Saturday on News Talk is back after this. You know, we just can't afford to lose four individuals. I'd say Johnny Gibson Park, probably Andrew Porter, and I would say probably Doris. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now.